Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. What we're talking about is being kingdom stewards. You know, how do we, how do we manage, how do we handle the treasures, the time, the talents that God has blessed us with, that he's entrusted us with? And it starts with a mindset, understanding who we are. For so long, we've lived in this mentality of me, 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 me. Even though we love the Lord and we're serving him the best way we know how to, as David alluded to just a minute ago, even giving a lot of us, including myself, start out with, I'm giving and expecting that the Lord's going to give back because I gave. Well, it's a little bit of a misunderstanding. It's God's given already, and he's asking you to manage what he's given to you. But the first part of that is to give. When we read in Luke, give and it shall be given to you, give is the first part. I believe the reason that the, uh, the scripture goes on further is to give you faith and to understand you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. God's going to take care of you. Last week, I talked to you about motivation. I talked to you about that the week before as well. We're still talking about the motivation of a kingdom steward. And today, I want to talk to you about the the, the proper motivation, and that motivation is by God's grace. We should be motivated by God's grace, but in order to do that, we have to understand what God's grace is. And I must tell you that the subject of grace is the whole Bible. It's especially the New Testament. So I'm definitely not going to get through everything today. But I want to lay out a few things for you that I, that I think will help you see how to be the kingdom stewards that God has called us to be. We talked last week and started in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We talked about worldly motivation versus godly motivation. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the world works on a system of motivation that's built on accumulation. Get as much as I possibly can, and it's never enough. But God and motivation... His way is built on association. It's built, it's built on drawing closer to him about that relationship. You know, I remember the first year I taught school, I had a lot of favor. And it's easy to think that it's because of who I am. I'm a pretty nice guy. I get along with people. But it really wasn't. Those doors that opened really didn't have a whole lot to do with me. It had a lot to do with my mother who had been teaching at this school for that principal for a number of years and had built a reputation. And because of my association with her, because of my relationship with her and her relationship with the principal, that helped me land the interview. And then my interviewing skills, I think, kind of helped put me over the top. If not, that's what I'm going to believe. But it was because of the association with my mother. You see, that's the same thing we have as kingdom stewards. It's our association with God. We're not successful because of ourselves. We're successful because of God and who we represent and who we are associated with. That's the motivation that we should have. There's a list that comes out every year who the richest person 
in all the world is. First of all, I'm not sure why that list is necessary except for just competition. We're not talking about people that have thousands of dollars. We're talking about people that have billions of dollars. And the thought always goes through my mind, how much money do you need? But the bigger issue is not the amount. It's what are you doing with it? See, the principles of giving are the same whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. But God wants to bless his people, and he wants to give to us, but he has to be able to trust us. We talked about the parable of the talents. And see, it said that if he can trust us, he's going to give us more. And we think, oh, yeah, I want more. I can tell you right there, you're already off track. It's not a matter of, let me do good with this so that God will give me more. That's not the right mindset. It's because I have the right mindset and I am managing God's assets properly that he's going to give me more. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't like more. Sometimes more brings stress. I'm excited about the word of God that we are moving from this building at some point in time, but I got to be honest with you, that additional, whatever you want to call it, task has become stressful to me. If I'll just be a good kingdom steward with what God's given me, I don't have to worry about the building. God will show it. He'll reveal it. He'll provide the resources. But I do sometimes. I worry about that. I'm sure you have things in your life. And I don't know about you, but again, my experience comes from the school system. And it was quite interesting. Uh, anybody associated with, with the school system, especially teachers, knows that the better you are at your job, the more challenging kids and classes they're going to give you. And the worse you are at your job, it seems the easier tasks you get. Anybody in education? Am I lying? I'm telling the truth, aren't I? So again, sometimes more is not what we're thinking. See, we always think in terms of finances. Oh, yes, Lord, bless me with more finances. But I got news for you. The more finances you have, it's amazing how many people find out how God's been blessing you financially. It's amazing how many new friends you acquire just because you got a little bit of money, right? It's amazing the people that have a charity cause for you just because you got some money. So we got to get past this idea that we just want to accumulate more. Again, that's the world thinking. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. What we ought to be thinking is, Lord, I'm with you. I'll manage whatever you want me to manage because I know you're going to show me, you're going to teach me how to do it. So if you got a lot on your plate and God puts more on your plate, then you draw into him and you trust him. It's there for a reason. If you're in a situation with your job or your school and it's frustrating, you need to draw into the Lord because he's got you there for a reason. That's what it means about being a kingdom steward. It's not just about how you feel in the situation. Just because you're stressed doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be there. Just because you're stressed doesn't mean God's blessing you. See, God will put us through challenges and tests and trials. James said to count it all joy when you face various trials and tribulations. James drives me up a wall. I don't like reading the book of James sometimes because he said, count it all joy when, not if. I'm like, James, come on, man. That's how he starts the book out. 
He didn't start it out like Paul, you know, hey, I come in the name of Jesus, a servant of the Lord God Almighty, with, with greetings and joy. He just hits you right at the gate, verse 1, count it all joy when you face trials and tribulations, and you go, man, who is this from? Do I know this James guy? But you see, as the inspired Word of God, we begin to understand that what God's doing is He's saying, look, don't be shocked when things come upon you that start to stress you out. These bodies can't handle everything. This mind can't handle everything. Why? Because we need to be reliant on our Father in heaven. God built us to need Him. So when we're getting stressed out and frustrated, it's a good sign that we are not following the Scriptures properly. We're not reading the instructions. Because God also said that He would give us the peace that passes all understanding. If we draw into Him... He will draw into us. If we seek him, he will let us find him. But it's all based on us seeking him. It's action, doing something. Absolutely. More importantly, it's action towards him and his kingdom. That's what being a kingdom steward is all about. So as I talk to you today, I want to get into this subject of grace. How many of you know that you're saved by grace? Amen. Praise God. Motivated by grace. First of all, it's God's grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God makes all grace abound. It's God's grace that he bestows upon us. You see, God's desire for us is not to be manipulated into doing something. Now, let me put this side text in here. Churches that pass offering plates are not doing anything wrong. All I can do is be pastor of the church God put me in charge of. And through doing so, God asked me to stop passing the offering plate. And again, not to say that what we were doing before was wrong. But as I began to ask the Lord why, he began to show me that what was happening to us is that, one, it, it's a form of manipulation, where everybody's putting in beside you and you start feeling guilty because you didn't put anything in. That's got nothing to do with God moving on your heart. The other reason that we stopped passing the plate is because it, be it had become a ritual. It had become a tradition. Oh, it's time. You just go in your pocket, you put it in there. Don't raise your hand. But I bet you some of you have your tithes and offerings set up on auto draft. I'm going to encourage you to take it off auto draft. How can the pastor say that? I might forget. That's the point. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When you are a kingdom steward, you're motivated by, motivated by God's grace. You're motivated by him. So you don't give tithes and offerings because it is a chore or another bill to pay. You give because that's what God asked you to do with the money. It's not 10% his and 90% mine. It's 100% his. And he asked me to give 10% away to the local church in the form of tithing. But guess what? He didn't stop there. We're supposed to then go, okay, Lord, what about the rest of this money? What you going to do with the rest of this? Lord, what do you want to do with this house that you blessed me with? What do you want to do with this car that you blessed me with? What do you want to do with the kids that you blessed me with? Amen. It's about putting the mentality on everything in your life is from God for the purpose of furthering his kingdom. Amen. You know the coolest part about all that? As you manage God's assets, he lets you enjoy them. He lets you enjoy them. 
It's not like God saying, hey, I want you to give money to the poor and I want you to go hungry for the rest of your life. I know during the fast it may feel that way, but that is not true. I want you to buy clothes for everybody else, but I don't want you to clothe yourself. I want you to love on everybody in your community, but I don't want you to give any love to your immediate family. I want you to disciple others in the community, but I don't want you to disciple your own family. That's not, that's not what's going on. That's not what's going on. It's about managing what God has blessed you with, your time, your talents, the treasures. But his desire is not for us to be manipulated. It's not to be motivated by selfish gain. He wants us to have a heartfelt response to his grace, that association that we talked about. So what is God's grace? I like how Tony Evans put it. He said, grace can be defined as God's inexhaustible supply of goodness that he does for you. It involves those things you cannot do for yourself. Grace comes to you as unmerited favor. It's something you can never earn, would never be able to repay, and can never run out of. I also like the way Paul described it in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 14 and 15. It says, and by their prayers for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know why it's so difficult to explain grace to people? Because it's an indescribable gift. It's indescribable. You know what else it is? It's free. It's free. Look at the first part of Romans eleven six. 6. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Grace and works are two separate things. Grace is not a work. That work has already been done by God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God knew what he was doing. See, people are trying to erase sins they've done and work their way into heaven, and it will never happen. Because who sets the bar? Who says what's enough? Who says what's good enough? Who says if you do this, then that sin is erased? Or if you do this amount of work, then you are in heaven. You you can't. You can't. God said that gift of grace is free. It is also never-ending. Ephesians 2, 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Exceeding riches. That means far above and beyond what you can ever need or desire. Exceeding. It's never ending. I think to understand grace, we have to also understand what it is not. And it goes along with one of I just told you there, but grace is not for sale. There was a man in the Bible in the New Testament, Acts chapter 8, named Simon. He was a sorcerer. And he was so good at what he did that he had astonished the people with his sorcery. They heeded him is what the Bible says. They listened to him. That is until God sent Philip to come and preach the word of God. And they no longer listened to Simon the sorcerer. That message was so powerful that Simon the sorcerer believed as well. The Bible says, then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. 
he had a transformation. But the problem was he still didn't understand this message that Philip was teaching. And he had started to lose his stature with man. And so as his flesh was still fighting, he sees the disciples lay hands on people and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I got to have that. I want that. The problem is that his heart was not in the right place. He wanted it for his gain. You see, there are all kinds of things in the Bible that are talked about that we misuse because we want it for our gain. Peter told him what he could do with the money that was offered for this gift. He said, because you thought that gift of God could be purchased with money, your money perish with you. But he didn't just leave him hanging there. He told him what he could do to fix the situation. Peter told him to repent. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thoughts of your heart may he forgive you. That's so important here because a lot of times we do things that seem like they would be good for the kingdom of God. But we're missing the grace element to it. It's not enough just to do what you think God wants you to do. You got to search your heart. You got to allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. You have to be open and willing to let the Lord reveal to you the deepest, darkest crevices of your motivation. You know why we don't do that? We're scared of what we might find. That's a lie from the enemy because the more he gets you to avoid repentance, the further down the rabbit hole of death you go, the further away from God's grace you get. You know why we got a world that's dealing with anxiety and fear and depression? Because they refuse to get right with the Lord. Because they refuse to allow God to change their hearts. Even when they're trying to do something for themselves. Let me, let me say that. I, I spoiled the punchline. Even when they're trying to go get help, it's all for themselves. You ever notice when we do things for others how good we feel? I mean, man, it is, it is just euphoric. So why do we have a world that's struggling with fear and depression and anxiety? Because we have been buying into the lie that we will be happy by doing everything for ourselves. And until we change, until we repent, until we allow God to remove all that evil in our hearts, we will never be totally set free. It's why I plead with you when we have those times of altar ministry to come down front and I try to explain to you, don't let the enemy win by putting fear on you that somebody else may see. Who cares? Who cares? That tells you what the motivation of your heart is. If you're worried about what everybody else thinks, that's what you're motivated by. But if you're motivated for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you really don't do want His kingdom to come and His will to be done, then the second you find out that something is off in your heart, you're down at the altar repenting, falling on your knees and crying out to Him because you want to get right with Him. We see this with King David. We all know the story, how he, he, he slept with Bathsheba. He sent her husband to the front lines to be killed. And even then, he didn't understand the error of his ways, so God sent Nathan the prophet to reveal to him what he had done, gave him a story of a random person and asked David what he would do. And he said, I would kill him immediately. And Nathan said, that person is you. And the Bible says David immediately 
repented. Fell to his knees and repented. Why? Because he wanted to please God the Father. He had gotten off track. He had messed up, but his heart still was motivated by doing what God wanted him to do. So God revealed to his son, the Bible says a man after his own heart, a man after God's own heart. God revealed to him. God could have killed him. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the church and died instantly. God could have taken King David out, but God understood his heart. God understood what was there. And so God provided a way for forgiveness. Why? Because David was a kingdom steward. So the question is, how do we access God's grace? If God's grace is what we need, if what we're supposed to be motivated by, then how do we access God's grace? I think step one is to know that you're already blessed. Too many people are working to be blessed by God, and God's saying, I've blessed you. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, say every. Say it one more time. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I don't know about you, but every means all of them. He didn't leave one of them out. There's not a special bonus level. There's not a secret code you can put in that will reveal something to you and nobody else. I don't know about you, but I get these little advertisements on the games I play, and they're trying to get you to download their game. What's amazing to me is the motivation they're using because every time you watch the video, the person playing it fails, and they put the big letters up there, fail, and they're tempting you and testing you. Only 1% of people can pass this level. Why? Because it taps into that motivation of, oh, I bet I can do it, though. God's saying it's not a matter of only 1% pass this level. Everybody can pass this level. There's not a special hidden level that gives you extra special blessings. Every spiritual blessing, everything he's blessed us with. We got to know how to access it, though. We have to know how to access it. Another quote from Tony Evans. Everything God is going to do for you, he has already done. Your part is not to cajole. Everybody know what cajole means? Negotiate, talk him into. Your part is not to cajole God into doing more. Your part is to access what he has already done. Let me tell you what this study is doing to me. It's messing up my prayer life. Because I've always said, Lord, do more. Lord, do more. Lord, do more. And I keep reading and God saying, how much more I can do? I've already done it. I just need you to tap into it. So if we're in prayer and I stutter a little bit, that's what's happening. Because I'm praying the way I've always prayed. And God's kind of showing me where I'm uh, maybe off a little bit. Which is a good point to bring up. Does that mean that God didn't listen to me before or answer the prayers? I can tell you right now that he did. He did listen to me and he did answer the prayers. Because you see, it's a growth journey. God understands where we're at. See, you can have the right heart after God and still make a mistake. Again, going back to King David, he had a heart after God and yet he still messed up. So what is your motivation? But God's already done it. God has already done it. Think about smartphones. I would imagine most everybody in here has a smartphone, but there are still people that do not have smartphones. I remember when Grandam was uh, 92, just before he passed, I had this bright idea. He was having problems with his phone, and I thought, we're going to get you a new phone. They had him a nice flip phone with big buttons. I said, no, no, you need you a smartphone. 
And so we got him a smartphone. And I must tell you, that was a blast to try to teach him. The short version is two days later, we ordered him another flip phone and we sent the smartphone back. He never could say, hey, Siri. He would say, hey, Syria, and the phone would work. And so I never corrected him. So while you said, hey, Siri, he would say, hey, Syria. I'd say, tap the, just tap the phone icon, Grandam. I'm thinking this is super simple. And he'd just, he'd just tap it and hold his finger there. So, no, 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 Grandam. I mean, like, just tap it. So he'd tap it super quick. He'd go. So, okay, so now I'm thinking, how do I explain this to my 92-year-old grandfather? Grandam, somewhere in between that. Somewhere between, a little bit of a tap. Hang on for just a second. I could see him there. I don't know if he really did this, but he's going, 1,001. Is that enough? Like, he, he never could get that, bless his heart. And he liked to never call me uh, back. I told him, I said, call me if you have any issues with it. Because in my mind, this is super simple to make a phone call. And I finally got a phone call from him that night. He said, Herman, I'm not even sure how I called you this time, but while I got you on the phone. I said, Grandam, we'll order the other phone tomorrow. I, I couldn't really, you got the jitterbug. That's the one it was. Amen, that jitterbug. He was fun. One side story has nothing to do with this, but it makes me laugh. He, he was having trouble hearing uh, people on the phone, which if you ever talked to him, he would always say, hang on a second, let me take my hearing aid out so I can hear you. Think about that for a minute. I don't understand. I finally realized he's getting feedback between the device and his uh, uh, hearing aid, but to me, the hearing aid is so you can hear. So how would you hear better if you take it out? But he was funny. I asked him, I said, uh, he said, I can't hear this phone as well. So I looked at, I did research and the jitterbug was the best on the, uh, available. I said, I got the right phone jitterbug. He said, I think I got a jitterbug. Then I had to figure out how do you tell your grandfather that there's no more help that you're just getting older and you can't hear anymore. And I, I didn't know how to quite do that. I had to really walk gingerly through that one, but I said, well, how long ago did you get that phone? He said, about three years. I said, Grandma, I love you, but your hearing hasn't gotten better in three years. Chances are pretty good. It's about the best it's going to be. He said, okay, that'll be fine. <laughs> I said, all right, we'll move on. <laughs> I said, man, I'll tell you what, but that smartphone will do so much. How many have ever given your phone to your kid or to somebody else to help you figure something out on it? Yeah, amen. But you know, that phone came fully loaded with every one of those features when you bought it, whether you used them or not whether you understood how to use them or not. Now, the difference between the smartphones and God is the smartphones do updates on a regular basis. God has no need to do an update, except in this respect. We can only handle so much at one time. And as we begin to show God that we understand his word and become better kingdom stewards, and he gives us more, that works as that update, and you begin to get new features. It's not that that feature wasn't uh, already out there. It's that you couldn't handle that feature. You didn't know that feature. God will update your software. He will update your features. He'll show you how to use the ones that are already there. But they're there. That's just like God's grace. It's identical. You know, there's some people out there that do not operate with God's grace at all. They're still operating like that flip phone and the law in the Old Testament. They don't understand the smartphone of grace. There's some that are using some of the features of grace. They understand the basics of grace, but there's so much more. And yet there are others that have tapped in fully to God's grace. Let me give you one more example here. How many of you play Scrabble? 
Amen. My mom, my mama loves Scrabble. My dad raised his hand because I said, how many of you play Scrabble? I should have said, how many of you like Scrabble? He did not raise his hand. I knew that. It confused me at first. I didn't expect him to raise his hand, but I forgot I asked who's played it. My mom is so good and understands the English language so much that daddy had her dead to rights one night. We're not talking about a couple points. I'm talking she needed hundreds of points to win. And somehow mama pulls out this this word that gets a triple letter, triple word, quadruple bonus score, and she beats him by a few points. Now, my dad is a very peaceful man. If you know him, you understand he's very compassionate. But on this night, that Scrabble board somehow wound up in the front yard. And no Scrabble board set foot in our house for a number of years. Daddy had had enough of that Scrabble board. But you know what's interesting about Scrabble? There are 26 letters in the English language. And they put all of those letters into the bag. They do give you a blank tile so you can pick one of those letters, but you have to pick one of the 26 letters in the English alphabet. The game comes with all of those letters. There's no new letter. It's up to you to understand how to put those pieces together to win the game. See, God has already given us all of the grace and all of the tools. Some of us are much better at math than we are language arts and English. That would be me. At the time, I think you could get an 800 on math and 800 on English for the SATs. And I scored somewhere close to the 700 range for math. But I never broke a 1,000 on the SATs. And I'll let you do that math. That's pretty bad. It's pretty rough. I mean, I only had 300 more points to go, and there were 800 available. I, it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. How I'm able to write a sermon or anything else is definitely a blessing of the Lord, okay? That definitely shows in my life that God gives me grace when it comes to writing sermons. Amen. But you know, it's up to us to understand God's grace. It's available now. It's, it's up to us. There's no more grace being created or needed. You can't just invent your own letter and put it in there. How many of y'all ever played Rochambeau or Rock, Paper, Scissors, right? Did you ever play with that friend that always would introduce something new to the game? And you go, all right, one, two, three, shoot. You throw Rock, Paper, Scissors, and that friend would go, one, two, three, shoot. So what is that? That's God. God beats anything. I said, that's no, no, no. That's We're not playing that. That's not fair. That's not how grace works, and that's not how Scrabble works. What's there is there. Those are the rules, okay? Can't make them up. That's part of cajoling God, right? When we're talking about grace. God, I'll do this if you do this. I used to play uh, this game. I, I don't remember exactly what I was wanting to do, but I'd be outside shooting basketball in the driveway. And I don't know if y'all are like me, but in the driveway, I was NBA level, baby. NBA level. I was good. But part of the reason is because there was always a reason why I missed the shot, so it didn't count. And if I ever wanted to do something, I'd say, if I make this basket, then I'll do this. And if it's something I really wanted to do, if I missed that basket, I'd say, I was fouled. Let me go again. Or I'd go best two out of three. I'd make it to where eventually I would win whatever I wanted to do. I would cajole that game. That's what we're trying to do with God as kingdom stewards. God, I'll be a kingdom steward for you. Sign me up, but you're going to have to do this for me. And God's saying, what I need to do, you do, do, let me try that again. We'll back up. 
what I need to do for you, I've already done for you. And if you'll just do what I'm telling you to do, I'll show you how to access a world you don't even know exists. I'll show you how to access treasures you didn't even know were around. I mean, when John wrote the book of Revelation, he had a hard time explaining he would say, this is what it's like to me. It's the only way I know how to explain it. When you, when you talk to people that have died and caught a glimpse of heaven, they can't explain to you exactly what they've seen because it's amazing. When you access God's grace, the world that opens up to you, it's indescribable. Isn't that what Paul said? It's indescribable. we got to learn how to access Danny helped me out this morning. By the way, y'all lift up Jerry. He's not feeling well. He wasn't able to make it this morning. It's amazing how many times we, we don't realize what people are doing for us. Jerry comes in early on Sunday mornings, and he puts all the lights on. He opens the gate for me. He gets the building ready, ready to receive people. It's kind of like what God does for us. It's sometimes we don't realize what all God's done for us. But when that situation is removed, when that grace is removed, we sure do realize it. And this morning, I forgot to open the gate because I hadn't had to open the gate in so long myself. Didn't even know if I knew how to do it. So Danny came to me and asked me about the key to the lock to the gate. I said, oh, there's a key in that box. To access it, you need this code. And when he put that code in, that box opened up and the key was inside. And that key fit the lock that was on the gate. And he was able to unlock that lock and open the gate. And then people had access to the back. I think you understand where I'm going with this. You see, God's sitting there. There's a code. And God's not trying to hide the code. You got to know who to ask. I knew what the code was to this gate out here. God knows what the code is to his grace. And when we put in the right access code, it opens the box to the key that will unlock all the treasures of heaven. So what is that access code? That access code, you ready? You're going to write down the, the code. It's Romans 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access. Everybody say access. Access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How am I doing on time here? Can we go a little longer? Okay. One of the codes in there is access it by faith. Access it by faith. Through whom also we have access by faith. What is faith? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. That's what the Bible says. So how do we increase our faith? How do we get this faith? Well, the Bible also says, so you're saved by faith, right? Saved by faith, saved by grace. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's found in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Let me say that again. So then faith comes by hearing. If I could sit down and look directly at me, I would say, Herman, sometimes you just need to shut up. I just talk too much sometimes. Be careful with the amens here. Figured it was better to call myself out than some of you guys, right? 
Some of you can keep up with me pretty well. But you know, you don't learn anything from anybody if you don't stop talking and just listen. But you know, hearing goes further than just listening. Because we can pick up on sounds, but unless we're really dialed in and listening and wanting to hear, we never know what we're, what we're picking up. See, that faith comes by hearing. What are we supposed to be listening to? It says, hearing by the Word of God. How do you know what the Word of God is? Well, guess what? We're in New Testament times, and we have the Bible, praise God. But you know, you can still access the Word of God like they did in days of old by the men that were inspired by God to write the Bible that we use simply by spending time with the Lord. Sometimes it's trial and error. How do I know if the Lord was talking to me? Act on what you're hearing. First, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Word of God? If he's telling you to steal, it does not line up with the Word of God. Right? You see, I knew that it was okay for me to get married. The Bible talks about God creating a woman for Adam because it was not good for man to be alone. Marriage is a good thing. He that finds a wife, right, finds a good thing. But it didn't tell me who I should marry. There was no scripture in the Bible that said, Herman Mason, thou shalt marry Tammy Joe Dietrich, who currently resides at... So how do I know? I had to pray. I had to spend time with the Lord. I spent time with her, but I went and sought the Lord. I prayed. I sought wise counsel. I talked to my parents. I talked to the people that had always steered me the right direction. And I must tell you that because of that wise counsel and because I took time to hear the Lord, that I have spent the last 28 and a half years in bliss, in joy. Yes, we have moments and days that we would like to just be separate and married only on paper. But we love each other even in those times. And unfortunately, what helps me understand what a great relationship I have is because I meet with people from time to time, sometimes in the marketplace, the community, and I see how terrible their relationships are going. They're never happy. And I wish that they were, but I'm also grateful that my relationship is not like that. And the only thing that I've been able to deduce as to why my relationship has worked out versus some of the other relationships, is that I sought the Lord and we have continued to put God first. And when we have slipped in that area, we have agreed to go get wise counsel. And when we have done what God told us to do in that area, we always are able to resolve the issues that we run into. And then as we get deeper in our relationship, we learn better ways to communicate, better ways to, to be with each other. We, we learn to diagnose the situation a little better. But you see, it's about what God wants. Well, let me tell you something. That was part of me being a kingdom steward. I didn't even know that. God blessed me with Tammy, not just for my gain. You see, one of the things that we've had to do over these last three years is learn how to work together as pastors of this church. There's been some bumps and bruises. There's been a lot of learning curve. But you see, that's part of what God has entrusted us with is for us to pastor and to minister and to lead this church. 
So it's not just a matter of God blessing me with Tammy for my own personal gain. It's that if I will trust the Lord with her fully and completely, God can use us to further His kingdom. He can do the same for you guys. But it starts with faith, and that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Lord through His Word. Let me give you the other part, and I will start bringing this to a close. I didn't say I was closing. So I'm going to start bringing it. See, after time, you learn some of these things, you know? There's a second part to the access code. First part is faith. The second part, and the more important part, is the relationship. Access through relationship. Let me read this scripture to you one more time in Romans 5, 1 and 2, specifically verse 2. I'll take that back. Let me back up to verse 1 here. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom? That through whom means Jesus right there, right? Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. What is it saying? It's saying that Jesus is the code. The relationship that you have with Jesus is the code to unlocking God's grace. So you can have all the faith you want, but if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, you're not getting access to the full grace of God. See, John 1.14, John 1.16, and Titus 2.11 all tell us about this grace according to Jesus. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we... Be- Held his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me just tell you right now, I know that the Bible is an important tool, an important resource. But let me read this again. And the Word became flesh. That's telling you that it's not the Bible itself, it's Jesus. Now, the Bible is the inspired Word of God. So it's like me picking up a diary and getting an inside look, but that's not the relationship. If all I do is read Tammy's diary, that lets me know a little bit about her, but I don't have that relationship with her unless I'm spending time with her. So when we back up to Romans 10, you don't have to put this up there. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me replace that and say, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by Jesus. You know, the world reads the Bible. But they read it as a historical text. They don't read it as an inspired word of God. I don't know if you've ever read the word of God, read the Bible, and not understood what you're reading, but that happens to me quite frequently. You know, the only way I'm able to understand what the word is saying, I do some research, I read some commentaries, I talk to other people that have studied those scriptures, I talk to my dad, but ultimately I sit in prayer and I say, Lord, show me what you're saying here. And sometimes he reveals it quickly, and other times it's a journey before I ever have understanding. And other times I have a piece of it, think I've got it all, and God will reveal more to it the more I go and draw into him. John 1.16 says, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. You know what all these verses tell me? God's grace is more than a doctrine. It is a person. And as kingdom stewards, that is the message that we have to understand more than anything else. If you want to be a good kingdom steward, then you have to understand it's not a doctrine you need to follow. 
It's a person, and that person is Jesus. That is what we're called to do. When we're motivated by grace, that's because we have drawn into that relationship with Jesus, and we are beginning to understand what he wants done. Do you know that I do a lot of things for Tammy? Boy, I didn't get any amens on that one. Maybe y'all don't believe that. She'll have to tell you after service. There are a lot of things I do for Tammy, okay? You just have to take my word for it or talk to her later. (laughs) One of the reasons that I can do things for her is because I've started to understand who she is. I've had that relationship with her. We've gotten to know each other. Now, she definitely knows me better than I know me. And she definitely knows me better than I know her. It was a couple weeks ago she told a story to the boys, and I thought, I don't think I've ever heard that story before. And I don't know how you spent 28 years with a person and then add two more for dating, 30 years with her, and I didn't know that story. And it was a good story. It wasn't even like a, a, a something to be ashamed of. It was really cool. How did I not know that story? But even in that moment, I got to learn that story because of the relationship. Because we were spending time with each other. You want to be a good kingdom steward? Begin to spend time with the Father. Begin to listen to Him. Begin to read the Word. Begin to have a relationship. See, salvation is not hellfire insurance. Salvation is the beginning stages of a relationship. It's saying, hey, Lord, you want to go out on a date? But until you go out on that date, you don't really begin that relationship. Will salvation get you into heaven and out of Hell, I thoroughly believe it will. But I also believe that God's looking for way more than just salvation. You see, he told the disciples, therefore, go and make disciples. How do you disciple somebody? You have to have a relationship. You want to access God's grace? Then you have to have a relationship with the Father. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I'll tell you more about this in the coming weeks. One more Tony Evans quote. I was going to paraphrase this, but it's just too good. I, I don't want to do it uh, an injustice. So let me just read you this quote, and then I'm going to tell you a, a short story to close us out this morning. Tony Evans says, wave upon wave of his grace has been given to each of us through the life of his son, Jesus Christ. You can't use it up. You can't exhaust it. You can't lose it. It's always there, always free, always available. I want to say that one more time because I want you to get this. Wave upon wave of his grace has been given to each of us through the life of his son, Jesus Christ. You can't use it up. You can't exhaust it. You can't lose it. It's always there. It's always free, and it's always available. You just have to access it. Amen? God's grace is accessed through faith and relationship with Jesus. Uh, told a story a year or so ago about a man who took a cruise. He bought his ticket. It was a several days journey. And when he got to the place he was going, he was getting ready to get off the ship. And one of the crew asked if he had had a good time. And he said, well, the ship is fantastic, but honestly, I was a little miserable. The crew member was a little confused and wanted to know why. He said, just to be honest with you, I was starving. He said, I spent all of my money on this ticket. And I didn't have any money left to eat. The crew member just kind of hung their head and said, Sir, I wish you had said something sooner. Your ticket paid for all of the food on the ship. You had access to the food every day you were here. You could have eaten freely with no additional charge. 
You see, that grace that God has given us is just like that. See, when we purchase that ticket of salvation, which again can't be bought, but when we gain that ticket and that relationship with the Lord, everything comes with it. Everything comes with it. I want to encourage you. I've only scratched the surface of God's grace. There is so much more to it. But when you begin to read scriptures this week, I want you to read it with the lens of grace. Begin to ask the Lord to show you how these scriptures relate to his grace because that grace is what is going to motivate us to be kingdom stewards. Amen. Father in heaven, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for entrusting to us the time, the talents, and the treasures that you've already given us, Lord. Father, we thank you for dying on the cross, for, for resurrecting and providing a way, Lord God. We thank you for your grace. That, Lord, every blessing in the heavens has been provided for us, Lord God. Would you teach us how to access that grace, Father God? Would you show us how to be motivated by that grace, Lord? Continue to teach us how to draw closer to you and have a relationship with you, Father. Lord, we desire to know you more. We hunger and we thirst for you, Father God. And Lord, as we leave this place today, I pray that we would not be easily swayed and pulled away from your word, but Lord, rather we would, we would uh, put it away in our heart, let it be applied to our lives, and we would share you with others, Father God. We would share about your grace, and Lord, we would help people understand about the relationship that you desire to have with them, Lord. As always, would you go with us? Would you guide us? Would you direct us? Would you cause your face to shine upon us? Would you give us peace, Father? In Jesus' mighty name we ask and pray. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.